Welcome once again to Money Talks, a series of interviews with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. In this episode, I talk to Steve Freer and Val Vavrosh, the two founders of Tempest Novo. With almost 60 years of combined experience working with offenders in prisons throughout the country, Steve and Val set up Tempest Novo in 2014 to identify and place ex-offenders with leading employers, giving former convicts a chance to rebuild their lives. Determined to improve rehabilitation within the UK criminal justice system, Steve and Val have built strong relationships with both ministers and officials at the Ministry of Justice and elsewhere inside government. Having developed a comprehensive understanding of ex-offender management and resettlement, Tempest Novo has successfully placed hundreds of former criminals in long-term civilian work. Steve, it's great to have you here on Money Talks. Just to be here. Just outline what your charity is. What are you you and Val and the rest of your team trying to achieve here? So I've been worked in prisons for almost three decades. You find there's a lot of people actually that society have let down and that they're in there really because they've had a poor start. You come across a lot of people like that. So we decided to look into why the in and out of prison and what could possibly turn the heads to, to, to move away from crime. And it became clear that if we could find most of these people a good sustainable job, then they'd move away from crime. I mean, and at the same time, we're lifting them out of poverty. So essentially that's uh, what drove us to, to, to set Tempest Novo up. Now, Val, despite your obvious youth, the two of you have between you 60-odd years working in the prison service. What drove you to team up with Steve to create Tempest Novo? I suppose um, talking to thousands and thousands of lads over the years, and and usually that's the same same faces, coming back, getting out, coming back. And I'd say to them, you know, you come into prison... You work hard in prison, you get on well with staff, you get on well with your peers. You go and work down a hot, sweaty kitchen on 12-hour shifts. You don't moan, you get up six, seven days a week. Why can't you do that on the out? And the stock answer that were coming back was, have you ever tried getting a job with a record like mine, Val? And I'd say, well, actually, no. And then I'd actually witness them writing letters to 150, 200 companies. They'd write the letters, send them off, and not get one answer because they'd they claimed that they actually disclosed on the letter that they've got criminal convictions. So they never even got an answer. So that's really what set this, what, what we decided. There's a big gap here because the prison service do the best, but they lump what they call ETE together, which is education, training and employment. They try the best with education, they do some training, but there's nothing done on employment. And after working in there for 30 years, it soon became quite obvious that that was a massive gap in that market. And that's what me and Steve decided to fill. I think the sort of passion behind it as well is when you change someone's life who really you're lifting them out of the gutter and they're so grateful that we found that this is working so well because they didn't ever expect to get this opportunity and because they've got it, they turned into some of the most hardworking and loyal employees and where business is concerned, yeah, there's an element of um, charity 
But bottom line is business is business and you've got to make money and you want hard workers. And we found that the majority of the people we were supporting filled that role well. And that's why we've been as successful as we have. The prison system should be about you know, punishment. It should be about you know retribution and deterring crime. But it should also be, shouldn't it, about rehabilitation. Yeah. Do you think we've underplayed rehabilitation, Steve, over recent years within the British criminal justice system? Underplayed it? Yeah. No, I think there's been a, a drive actually to rehabilitate um, people. But it's a big machine, as the criminal justice system. And to expect some big results quickly, no matter what changes you put in place, is unrealistic. I mean, I've seen several prisons, ministers and justice secretaries banging the drum of rehabilitation. But you've got it again, it's about being realistic. There's different types of prison, Val and I know, the open estate, known as the Category D prisons, is realistically the only prisons that you're going to achieve any level of rehabilitation with. Ministers are asking every prison to achieve what, in my opinion, are unworkable results. So the focus in the resources, I think, in the wrong areas. Val, tell us about some of the examples you've witnessed over the years, both when you were working within the criminal justice system and now working with the charity, Tempus Novo, th there must be people on your mind, young men and indeed women who have come out of prison and having been given a chance, having been given employment, have really turned their lives around. Oh, without a doubt. I've just been chat talking about one now. In fact, I've just rang one now. And it, it's a guy called Richard. He was... How's this surrogate dad? <laughs> yeah, he was the most prolific offender in Bradford. And when we told the police that we were, because, because they want to know when he's being released because they have crime spikes in that area, and we informed the police because we're friends there, and we said, we, we're going to help uh, this guy called Richard. And that straight away they said, are you mad? Are you absolutely what mad? What sort of crime are we talking about? Inquisitive crime. Yeah. Burglary. Car theft, car, theft, car theft mainly, twocking. So not physical violence? No. No. Okay. On, on but massive, still crime, nonetheless. Yeah, on a big scale, on yeah. a biggish scale, sort of constantly at it and, and, and earning money. And uh, so they said, you must be crazy. Well, I said, listen, I've spoke to him. I've been in prison. He's asked to see me. I said, he's convinced me. I said, so we're going to give him a go. Good luck with that one. I said, yeah, okay. Six years later, I've just rung him now because he, he's... To somebody else's after interview. I can't talk to you while I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did. He, he it said, did. I'm, on, I'm just building a unit. I'm just building this unit. He says, can I ring you back in an hour? I says, well, I need an answer off you quite quickly. But anyway, so Richard, the most prolific offender, six years he's been working. He actually rings me up and tells me he's passed his driving test. He says, I can now drive down through Bradford, he says, legally, and stick two fingers time. up at the place. He says, because I'm all legal. He says, mm. for the first time ever in my life. But honestly, and it's like Steve says, I'm like his surrogate dad. He ain't got a dad as such. So he rings me and he's, he's you know, I'm, I said to him, I'm really proud of you, Richard. What an absolute achievement you've met. He now takes care of his family. So what's he doing now for a living? He's a fitter. He's an, uh, air a ventilation, air conditioning okay. fitter. Decent job. Big demand for yeah, that. Yeah, Absolutely job. brilliant job. And not only that, he's worked his way up because he used to be a fitter's mate. He's now become the fitter, and he actually said to me, rang me up again a few weeks ago, and said, 
I'm looking for a fitter's mate, he says, because now I need a fitter's mate. He says, and I've told my boss that I want to get somebody from Tempest Novo. Okay. He says, now I want Another to former offender. Yes. He says, now I want to tell It must have been a leap of faith for you, though, Val, to put this guy in front of the employers that you work with. Yeah. And, of course, your reputation with them is valuable if... If Spot your reputation's on. sullied, yeah. then that jeopardizes the chances for other people coming through, right? Who it might... certainly does. So you must have known you were taking a risk. Mm-hmm. What was it about this guy that made you think, yeah, I'm going to go for this one? I think after 30 years of been having, you know, there's hundreds and thousands of them trying to you pull get the wool over my eyes. Yeah. You just know you get that gut feeling. Well, that's a USP know. of Tempers Nova. Yeah. The fact that we've got so much experience. Yeah, working in prisons without any shadow of a doubt. Some people, with all respect, they are beyond employment. Would you accept that? 100%. Without a doubt. We know that there's, what, 80,000 people in yeah. prison currently, 230,000 people in the community supervised by probation. Realistically, 10% if that. I'd say five, because you've got, obviously, some people... Well, you're saying five or 10% are beyond employment? no. Though. Or employable. employable. Okay. For various reasons. Some because of our model. That's that's like finding needles in haystacks, isn't it? it? Sorry, but But they find us. Because if if they don't find us, we're doing it the wrong way around because that's the first step of motivation to show that they want to change their lives. So they know where we are. They find us. We also get referrals from probation officers. So if you're saying 280,000 people on probation... 80,000 prison population, we're talking 360,000 people. You're saying 10% of those are, in your view, with all respect to the others, employable. As of today. We're talking 30,000, 40,000 people who would otherwise be on the scrap heap that you, your charity, other retribution charities are trying to create a decent life or help them create a decent life for themselves. And the the savings involved are just staggering. It's 45,000 pounds per year to keep someone in prison, national yeah. average. I think the last calculation was 2018 that the government did on reoffending, and it were £18.1 billion. Pounds. Now, just by taking one offender off that cycle, the savings, and uh, so you're reducing crime, there's less victims, safer streets, more people in employment. Don't forget they're now paying national insurance and tax. Yeah, It's a no-brainer. It's safe. We're very, very, very keen on safeguarding and company reputation. We have to be. We're value-driven. The companies we work, we have to be. If they're not ethical, we don't want to know them. Just outline what you were both doing in the prison service before you left to set up this charity. What was your job, Steve? So I were a senior officer running... Literally walking the corridors. Pretty much on the landings, face-to-face with the lads. And you were the same? Same thing, senior officer running a wing. So you were Mr. Barraclough and you were Mr. McCarry. <laughs> yeah, more or less, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would laugh at that. Yeah. And we're not, by the way, we are not soft on crime. Far from it. As far as daft as that might sound, because, you know, we've rolled around with loads of prisoners. We've rolled around, yeah. around with Charlie Bronson a few times. And it, but there are people in there, and I'd say 50% of people in prison, in my opinion, are in there purely because they come from poverty. They've, had, they've been brought up in dysfunctional families, They've never had a chance in life. Never mind a second chance. They've never had a chance in life. And the society's let them down to some extent. You can understand where there's crime, there's a victim. It's very difficult to get empathy towards what we're doing generally. 
But when you break it down like that and you realise 50% of people in and out of prison is because they've never, they've never been loved. Yeah. They don't know what love is. We've had guys in our office. Um, they've arrived for assessment and we've said, well done. Just shake your hand and say, well done. Well done. Yeah. You've clearly made a decision you want to change your life. You look presentable. You're here on time. Well done. And that's the start of it. They're not used to that. They're not used no, to it. They're used to being told you're a waste of space. And that's why that drives to my earlier question. Shouldn't the prison service, while respecting victims, shouldn't there be a bit more well done within our prison system, within our criminal justice system? Not to go soft on crime, but no. shouldn't there be a more humane edge to it? Well, to be fair, there is, if we're being perfectly honest. The, the vast majority of staff, the hardworking, decent people, or want to be good role models. Um, but there's not enough of them. There's not enough of them, obviously. That's, that's and that is a major, major player. You know, when you're running a busy wing in a local prison with 200 prisoners and five or six staff, mm. you can't form any sort of meaningful yeah. relationship, which you need to make any progress. And relationships is something that we're very keen on um, because you've got to break down barriers. And if we can't break down the barriers within our own environment, then... We can't expect that at the workplace. Just spooling back, Steve, to when you decided to leave uh, your job as a prison officer of some experience to set up the charity, how difficult was it to get it off the ground? What did your friends think? What did your family think? Did you ever think you were going to fail? Never. Never thought that once. <laughs> but I did come up against some huge <laughs> obstacles. Um, surprisingly, some of them were from within because we set this up whilst we were still working in the prison service. And obviously, the fact that we had to interact with prisoners at the level we did brought about suspicion amongst colleagues. And I get that. We're working in a high-risk, secure environment. I think you've got to um, sympathise to some degree with prison officers because it's a tough, tough job. Yeah. And to maintain control and order and discipline, when you're looking after a thousand people with, with small numbers of staff, it's, it's such a fast. difficult, difficult task. And, that, and as I said earlier, there's some prisons that it's just a non-starter to, to expect any meaningful rehabilitative programs mm. to come mm. out of them. The cat D state is where the money should be and focused. Yeah. And then the guys know that that's where they've got to get to, mm. to, to get these sort of privileges and, um, and opportunities. And how long has the charity been going, Val? And what's the scale of the placements that you're making each year? Right. So it's it's been running now eight years, but for the first 18 months to two years, it was just me and Steve. Mm. So the numbers were sort of quite low, but we've, just... we've now placed... Yeah, it's still a lot, I know it is. But we've now placed 655, I think, up to up to today. Over eight years? Over eight... Well, over six and a half years, really, over seven years. That's astonishing. It is. And but the most astonishing thing about it is only twenty eight of those six hundred and fifty five have returned to custody within two years. The national statistics are fifty percent return within twelve months, sixty four percent return within two years. Our statistic four point six percent on the prison system, which is staggering every month. So we know that Fred blogs that we've placed into work, whether or not he's back in prison. For, for certain, and it's a national check that we do. So the data's accurate. And, and, and if you think the government figures are that, like Val says, 50% of people had re-offend within 12 months. 
the savings there are just astronomical. Because your your guys, less than five percent of them reaffirmed right, exactly. within two years. Yeah. So tell us about the kind of employers you're working with. Are they are they generally employers, companies who have got a track record of giving offenders a chance, no. or have you brought new businesses, new businesses on side? And if so, how do you do that? So in the very early days, before we created any sort of brand, um, we would em- would invite a CEO or decision maker in the company to have a look around the prison, actually, mm-hmm. and to sort of live, breathe, and eat it. And that process was very effective, not only because we'd managed to get an hour or two of a, CEO, yeah. a busy CEO's time, because if we'd have said, come and have a look at this charity that's helping ex-offenders, they wouldn't have come anywhere near us. Yeah. So we said, come and have a look around your local Victorian prison. And then their curiosity might get the better of them with all... Correct. Yeah. <laughs> to then be brutal. Then we get them yeah. in this environment where you can sit down, get to know each other, be honest, Explain a bit about the impact of what you can have not working with too many, you know, too large a numbers of people. And every single business person that we've had in, and it must be into 60s, probably yeah, 70s now, 70, has said, how do we help? This, yeah. just isn't, this is a no-brainer. I think um, once, sorry, once they get on the wing, so I, do, I normally take them round, I normally do the tours. And what I do, I take them purposely on a wing and I'll get, and it's when the wing's unlocked. So lads are coming up and saying to me, because a lot of them still know me, and it's, hey, oh, well, it's Ars Charity going, you know, all this. Yeah. And they say, oh, it's these gentlemen. I'll say, well, actually, these gentlemen here are a local businessmen. I said, thinking about getting lads like you an opportunity when you get released. And they go, what, really? I said, can I just shake your hand, sir? And you can see yeah. the CEO's face change. It's emotional. Well, of course it is. They go, they're human. Exactly. And that's yeah. a really defining moment. Yeah. So we did that initially for the first few years. Yeah. But then I suppose because of demand for workers, Brexit, etc., and also the fact that we'd been going X number of years and they could ring other companies for uh, You had a referee system. That's right. And that's right. Yeah. So proof of concept. That's yeah. it. So we've moved away from that a bit now. Um and we've got so Clipper Logistics, our Leeds based company, about six hundred million business, yeah, yeah. big company. They've worked with us now and taken nearly 300 people. Wow. Now, it fits because I think 45 to 50% of people in prison have the reading and writing ability of an 11-year-old. Yeah. So you need a job that they can do. Mm. Logistics has warehouse work, picking and packing. It's a good start for them. Yeah. But we, we, we go in and we delve into the culture of the business as well because they're not just, we don't want a tick the box organization that says, oh, that's good for our corporate social responsibility. We want an organization that actually care about the workers and want to help them to develop. And with Clipper, you get that. And now that other companies have seen how successful Clipper have been, they're so now we're, we're talking to John Lewis, Maersk, yeah, Kalina. Coca-Cola, Mercedes-Benz. Well, they're talking to us, actually. I'm going to say major companies. companies. Yeah, big, yeah. big companies. Um, and, and it, yeah, who knows, in the future, we may be placing, what is it we're placing at the minute, between 100 and 150? 100, about a year now. You know, we obviously, we want to go on and help more people well, to turn well, their lives well, around. So, we're just, so we've, our, our main place is Yorkshire. We cover the whole of Yorkshire. We've just opened an office in Milton Keynes to cover that area. And we're thinking about Manchester, but it's a case of slowly, slowly, get another area. So if we place 150 in Yorkshire, then we open Milton Keynes, 150 in there, Manchester. We can see that if we can get 10 
around the country. It's quite a significant. 150 at each, at each depot. That's yeah. 1,500 ex-offenders a year that you can soon, soon start uh, closing prisons. We don't work with certain types of offender, Liam. Mm. must stress mm. that. It has to be safe and it has to be workable. And the business reputation is, 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 is our responsibility, ultimately. But your incentives are aligned because... You know, you're not going to place somebody just because it gets your short-term numbers up. If you no. think there's uh, a, there's a problem waiting to oh, to happen, frankly, no, right. because that will Ruin. upend your entire reputation, your entire Absolutely business model. Right. Obviously, you're 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 a charity. You're run on a not for profit basis. The charity employs you two, yeah. uh, but how does the business work? Does the employer pay you a placement fee? Do you get any government subsidy? How's well, it work, Steve? We've never had a penny off the government, which I think, quite frankly, is appalling. Um, despite meeting Mr. Rab in February. Yeah. Who uh, just so happens to be the Justice Secretary. You, you, you don't mess about, you go straight to the top. Yeah, it. well, he came to see us, actually. He wanted to see out what we did. He thought it was fantastic. Sure. And then invested some money back which, into the prison which service. Which is understandable. Yeah. To do what we do. But does the employer pl pay you a placement uh, fee? Because you're going to have expenses, right? Yeah. You've got to keep the, the business has got to wash its face, so, charity or not. Our early conversations about that were understandably, well, we don't know if it would be ethical if we paid and business people. Um, we're taking a big enough risk as it is, giving these people opportunities. Eventually, we got to a stage where the, the companies now are saying, well, do you know what? It's actually a bloody good service you give. And the retention rate of the people you're providing is better than what we get through other... Just recruiting from the general population. So we will make you now a, a, a significant contribution annually. Which is what they're doing. To, which is tax... Deductible. Because so, so, it's win-win. So basically, are you saying that the contributions you get from business are, are voluntary? Yes. Yes. And you can live with that? Yeah. Well, we can for now. I think we might yeah. have to look at a different model for sustainability. Mm. But certainly in short to medium term, it'll work. So what's your pitch to Dominic Rabb, to his officials? What's your sense to which the government really is backing what you're trying to do? You're showing that you don't need you know, financial government support necessarily, though it would be nice. But what could the government do to really put rocket boosters under what is clearly a proven concept now. Rocket boosters, it would have to be cash, yeah. to okay. be perfectly honest. If we we're going to make any significant progress and achieve the figures that Val were quoting a minute ago, then that's exactly the what 1500 a year. Yeah. And it's 150 not, each across 10 regions. And it's not yeah. expensive. It's around about three to three and a half thousand pound per offender. Right. That's to place him in work and to keep him in work for 12 months. And social return on investment, something like 10, 11 to 1. Mm. Yeah. It's quite significant. In terms of tax revenue generated from their employment, money saved mm -hmm. yeah. through the criminal justice system, yeah, lower risk of reoffending, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So why don't you think the government's really going for it? It's a great story. You well, two are very, very plausible people. It's very difficult, I think, <laughs> for, the, for the boss of an organisation that's supposed to be doing well, this work. This is the trouble. To then put his... Wait behind another organisation. Well, I suppose it, I think the, if we spoke oh, to him privately, do you, do you think you're kind of you're showing up the criminal justice system? Yes. Oh, I want to put it that way, Liam. But <laughs> yeah, 
But surely you can work together. Exactly. Oh, why I not? think that's why that's that's what should happen. That's absolutely what should happen. Because we, we listen. All we want to do is help more people. I mean, it's, look, it's not about me and Steve. Even we, if you are viewed effectively as civil servants, right? How many civil servants have got between them sixty years not combined experience of walking the corridors within yeah, our right. prison service? Right. They don't exist, these people. No. But you two exist. So yeah, and others that we're bringing into our organisation. So we're bringing similar people in. We've just brought in uh, four ex-prison officers yep. in the last 18 months, yep. all with above 15 years service, um, and that's the model going forward. Without wishing to pry, can you afford to employ them? Are they are they being paid yeah, for yeah, their Yeah, 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 yeah. Constant battle. As a charity, we're very fortunate. We've got yeah. some incredible backers, foundation trusts. People just donating money to you. Yeah. Um, obviously, you have to jump through hoops. Do dragons den scenarios, business plans, all that, understandably and quite rightly. But our evidence is there for everybody to see. You know, the people's lives that we change are there to see. And you can't, you can't buy that. No, the feeling that you get when Richard and John comes running up and actually comes up and hugs you and thanks you again, you think, oh, what? it's all right, Richard. He said, no, 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 what you've done for me. No, I, I said, you've done it. We've given you opportunity. It's you that succeeded, mate, not me. But do you know what the feeling that That's you That's a no-nonsense Yorkshire approach if I've heard <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but you know what, though? You can't buy the feeling that you get in here from helping people change their lives. We've got an incredible team of staff who give 110% every day. We do, yeah. And we're very fortunate. But it's a model based on passion that we design. So it's not just by coincidence. Um and as I said earlier, we, we, we put together what we knew could work. We looked at what had failed before that. Because, you know, it's not rocket sciences. I thought, well, me and Val wouldn't have done it. What <laughs> <laughs> do you mean? And I couldn't understand it. Steve Freer and Val Vavrosh of Tempest Novo, thanks a lot for appearing. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Liam. <laughs> thanks a lot for listening to Money Talks with me, Liam Halligan economics and business editor of GB News. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube or wherever you're listening. Do subscribe to this podcast and also check out my daily television show, On The Money, at 1pm Monday to Friday on GB News or via the GB News app. GB News, Britain's news channel.